This week on the Jock and Nerd Podcast, independent comic book creator Andrew Gildy is hanging out to update us on his successfully kickstarted Man of Sin graphic novel and his new projects. Jared Leto's Joker is coming back for Zack Snyder's Justice League. What? Streaming platform Quibi shutting down just after six months. Uh. And we got two movie reviews for two completely different movies. We review the Canadian horror comedy Wolf Cop and the Aaron Sorkin courtroom drama The Trial of the Chicago 7 on Netflix. All that and more in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Thursday, October 22nd, 2020. This is Jason Hawes and you're listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. I've seen a lot of things in my life, but nothing freaks me out like antique porcelain dolls. No, even worse, puppets. Puppets come into life. But that's impossible. Right? Right, guys? My spider shits are tingling. Check. Check one. All right. This is really fast out there. Let's give it up. Chop it. Be nerded. Be funny. Disturb it. Hello, listener. What's up? Thanks for pressing play and welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we give you comic book and superhero TV and a movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd. My name is Emron. My name's Anthony. He's the Jock. And he's the nerd. And joining us is the former founder of the 60s radical puppets rights activist group. Uh, they were commonly known as the puppies. Please welcome Scabby Rugman. Uh, but we call him Rugboy. What's up, Rugs? The world is not watching. They're watching you, Rugs. No, they're not. They're listening. They're listen- the world yeah. is listening. Listening. The world yeah. is listening. Also- There's nothing to watch here, folks. Yes, keep keep moving on. Please move on. Nothing to see here. Also joining us, special guest, independent comic book creator, Andrew Gildy, calling in from a payphone in 1996. How you doing, Andrew? I'm good. It took me a while to find some change, but uh, I got some, so I'm glad I was able to call in. Okay, good. I hope you cashed all your dollars because, well, look, we had to make a joke about you're using high-tech Apple Eye how much, earpods, How much right? change does it take to last this entire episode how much change would two hours like, well at what rates like is the, he calling in collect uh or that means we're paying for it i did not accept oh, the charges fuck. i did not accept the charges it would be like 20 bucks in change or something. easily for, for the two the three hours that it'll take to record the show yeah Probably. because it, it would be like 75 cents right for for, for how, long, like how, quick, how much time did you get who, who knows what who even knows what a payphone is anymore <laughs> Uh, but look, when was the last time you saw a payphone? Uh, it was, I think it was a good question. in a museum. It was in a museum. Oh, I, think I, I think I saw one in Vegas, right? Really? Like, are they, are they like phone banks? Like, I think they just about? still have a couple yeah. for the mafia and for the FBI. To use. <laughs> yes. Just to make for the CIs, the informants, they got to make their calls in. Uh, yeah. but look, your audio is fine. Andrew, these fancy AirPods are expensive, and for some reason, I thought they would sound better, but here we are. Apparently not. <laughs> here we are. All right, let's get to it, gang. The Jock, Jock and Nerd Podcast. 
got two quick things in the news before I want to talk to Andrew and get the listener turned on to his Man of Sin comic. Uh, but uh, two big crazy things. Here's the first story from Variety headline. Jared Relito reprising the worst Joker ever for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, Jared Leto returning to DC Comics fold reprising his role from 2016 Suicide Squad. In Zack Snyder's new version of Justice League, the article says it's unclear whether Leto was always meant to appear in Justice League before Snyder left the feature in early 2017 in advance of significant reshoots by filmmaker Joss Whedon, or if Leto is a new addition given the four-hour length of the upcoming Snyder Cut, which will premiere (laughs) on HBO Max in 2021. I just need to get out my thoughts in a series of sound clips, and it's really all the sound clips. What? The fuck? This is going great. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Why are you putting people through this? Lame. Get your hands off my penis. Get your hands off. I should have added that one too. We needed the the gentleman. I missed that guy a little bit. Yeah. All the I just all the clips. Comments, Anthony. A uh, couple things. Number one. <laughs> yes. Are we? Are we? Are we? Do we all realize by this point that there never was a Snyder cut because it, 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 it doesn't never, exist? Is this a new? Well, not, I don't think that this version exists. The four-hour TV show version did not exist. Obviously, right. No, it, may, it, it may have been a two-hour movie somewhere in there, but did not a four-hour. No, not this. No, this no. this obviously this, didn't exist. No, but my my friend's Christmas Sotelo, who's been on the spinoff show and been on Jock and Nerd, he uh, he wrote this because he's a he's a creative over at um, Google. And he puts as a as a creative, we were able to have a little text chat. I bet there's nothing more rewarding than getting this type of revenge on the studio for bastardizing his work oh with Franken- Frankenstein. Yeah, we didn't cut. Yeah, he got to remake his movie off of a legend that it was finished. I mean, wow, <laughs> wow. So, which is exactly how I feel. He got to remake his movie off the legend that it was finished. Oh shit! And I guess it's a it's a huge win for him. It's a win for all the Snyder fans out there. And it's probably even a win for Warner Brothers HBO because they can put it on HBO Max and get more subscribers. Listen, so. this story's got traction. Yeah. Whether you like it or yeah, not, it true. grabs headlines. People talk about it. This is exactly what HBO wants. Warner Brothers loves this. Um, it's inadvertently they stumbled upon this thing like from the fans like making it happen, but – now you got uh, a movie that nobody ever wanted to be made in. You had the Joker that no one ever wanted uh, ever <laughs> yes. to see again in the movie. So it's like it's being a big fuck you to a lot of people. Andrew, have you been following the story? Uh, are you excited for this Justice League at all? What do you think? Not even a little bit. Oh, no. um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, uh, it, it just I feel like Zack Snyder catfished Warner Brothers. Oh shit! And they called. <laughs> oh and they, like, shit. Called- they called him out on it and he's like scrambling to figure it out. So he like called up Jared Leto. He's like, Hey man, can I shoot some stuff over at your house? I mean, when we started this whole thing, this originally was going to be, uh, just ADR voiceover dubs, a couple of things put back in $30 million budget. This is now something completely different. He is adding scenes. This is a new movie. He's bringing the cast back to reshoot new shit. Uh, the budget now $70 million, allegedly. So this whole thing is morphed. 
he gets to do what every director that sh- shot a, a blank yes. has ever wanted to do, which is remake their movie with the knowledge of what went wrong. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is so fucked but up. this is the great thing about this is that if he if it's still a fucking huge turd, yes. like he will never get to make a movie again. That's yeah. it. Like they he's got one shot. There's a lot of writing on this. Yeah. Uh, so Bil- I want to share J- Bilotti's comment from the Facebook group. I think he kind of nails the whole sentiment. Uh, he says, it is a scary time to not only be a comic book movie fan, but a fan of movies in general. Think of how many talented directors were denied this ability to go back and get a, quote, do-over, unquote. Why does a subpar director like Snyder get the opportunity? Here's why. A small minority of fan outcry, like everything else on social media, and a pandemic, plus a new app that needs something to get the kids' attention. Typically, directors get a special director's cut DVD release. Not this guy. He gets a massive budget to remake something that nobody was looking forward to. <laughs> this is crazy and super unprecedented. Yeah. yeah. I'm still going to watch it, though. I'm, I'm definitely going to oh, watch it. it. I, I, I will I can't say wait that for this now. Although I agree with Bilotti, I don't think it's nobody was looking forward to it. I think there was enough of an outcry. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously, it, this legend of the Snyder I, Cut. I, I think group. it started picking up when Jason Momoa jumped on board. And in the middle of Aquaman doing well, he's st- and then all of a sudden Ray Fisher, everybody started to come on board. And then it, it just started to gain this momentum, not only from like fans that were jerk offs that were like wanted to do over, but actors that wanted to do over. Like, I don't know. Have you ever heard of that? Like yeah. the actors that are actually doing well, that don't need this headache are like fucking doubling down on this. That's crazy. Also, also kind of weird is like all those guys you mentioned also publicly started shitting on Whedon yeah. at the same time yeah. for something we still don't really understand yeah. about what happened. Yeah. So it's just a really strange circumstance. Plus, and you know, he's got the sympathy angle. I do kind of feel bad for the guy. He went through a personal tragedy in the middle of this movie. Is this the vision that originally had for the movie? I don't understand why you're adding this Joker back. Is he trying to connect the dots with Batman versus Superman with the Robin? And it said, ha ha ha. Is that, is that like where, what is are you writing new things was this all i don't understand this is so weird i i think that there probably was some kind of a grand design because he was working with stuff from the video game from that comic book that was like an elseworlds i forgot the name of it what what was it called Uh, Uh, injustice injustice Injustice. yes everyone's there's all these other threads that he could pull from yeah and not only that, but now he can do hindsight 2020 directing Who where gets the chance he could, like that. It's he could take all the criticisms of his movie and try and like smooth those out a little bit. So I don't know. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch that, it. Andrew, I can say Andrew, will it. you be watching this? I, no, no, absolutely no, not. <laughs> just not even interested. I don't, I don't have four hours. To <laughs> it's broken light up. On fire. It's four. It's an hour a day. It's broken up into four. Four parts. Uh, well, look, see, it doesn't matter how many people you put back in here. Some people are just still like, no, don't need the headache. So interesting development there. We'll see whenever that fucking movie comes out. Uh, and then the other big story, we have our first casualty of the streaming wars um, from Business Insider. Headline, mobile <laughs> video app Quibi announces it's shutting down after only six months citing the pandemic as a main factor in its demise. So they're blaming. I predicted this the minute it came out. Blaming I, the COVID. I was 100%. When you guys said there was something called Quibi coming out and it's going to be stuff that you watch on your phone for 10 minutes, I was like, never going. It's called YouTube and it's free. <laughs> Andrew, were you familiar with Quibi at all? Have you even heard of this? 
Yeah, I um, I thought it was a really good idea, but like Rugboy said, they messed up by making you pay. If they would have done like a freemium version, yeah, because everyone is on their phone. Yeah, That's, like it was a horrible business model. Once everyone was in quarantine they should have just made it free and hooked us on it oh my god okay so that's very interesting you said that for the listener doesn't know originally this thing launches in april uh and it's from uh jeffrey katzenberg and meg whitman jeffrey katzenberg huge hollywood executive and the whole idea was it was mobile only premium tv content for a subscription that you could only get on your phone you couldn't even cast this or stream it to a tv but that sucks so but the two catches were it was episodes were eight to ten minutes and you could flip the orientation of your phone landscape portrait the uh the, the it would seamlessly transition and everything would still be in frame or some things would rearrange based on so that technology i thought was cool now Originally, his idea, like you said, was people in our old, in back in the old day, in the old world, in the old times, when you were at work, you were waiting in line at the grocery store, you were on your break, you had time to sit down, pull out your phone, watch short videos episodically, maybe. So, well, yes, I agree, Andrew. I thought it was a really neat idea. Apparently, it doesn't work. And I would have thought, though, don't you think the 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 lockdown, the pandemic, would have increased? Their subscribers, everybody, all the other streaming platforms, subscribers increased. Everybody else got subscribers. This thing didn't even work uh, in a fucking pandemic. Yeah. Haven't they learned from the drug dealers? You give a little taste. <laughs> free. Or free. Exactly. Right? And then when they come back, you, you say, hook oh, them. no. So, yeah. But no, they wanted they wanted to push their product for way too much money out the gate. And I was like, what the hell is a Quibi? <laughs> I got YouTube. It's quit. I, I don't know exactly what I said. But I thought there was a chance with short attention spans that this might pick up, but then I was also quite skeptical. I'm glad it didn't pick up. And it is kind of crazy, the amount of names that were involved in this. And for this yes. to not, I mean, just completely fucking splatter. It's pretty pretty surprising. This is a $2 billion failed experiment. Oh, shit. Not surprising that it failed, surprising that the names that were involved... And that you had Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer, I wanted to watch the Kiefer Punk Sutherland. Came back, Punk came this. back. I wanted to watch Kiefer Sutherland's Fugitive, but I already bailed. And surprisingly, me, I bailed like two months ago. I turned off the auto renew. I was like, oh, I got to turn this fucking thing off because I was done. I did enjoy that joint rolling show where that guy rolled the crazy joints. That was amazing. Put that on another network. I'll watch that all day long. The, the, the I mean, the big issue for me was just I watched one thing. I, lo- I thought the technology was cool yeah. when you flipped your phone. Yeah. But that was it. Like it was literally just, oh, this is cool. You know. Okay, but I'm not gonna sit here and watch things on my phone, especially. And you brought up COVID, especially now I'm at home. I had COVID. It backfired COVID. on it. I'm not watching yeah. things on my phone. I'm casting yes. it on a TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally backfired on them. So, and it's just another in a chain of apps where I get really excited and then they don't last a year. I should stop doing that. <laughs> you should stop. I'm being like excited. bad luck for. Uh, I mean, it's a high high risk, high reward. Right? They, yes, they wanted to was. change the game of how you view TV. Very and ambitious. Media. So I I gotta applaud them. I give them props for trying this ambitious thing and having it's, the talent to try. This could have easily been a channel on YouTube. Yeah, it could have been like a. They could have made a deal with YouTube because the platform's already there. Everything's there. Like, listen, we're going to develop content for a channel and uh, blah, blah, blah. And they could get paid that way. And they just produce stuff. And people are already on YouTube every day looking at shit. And I mean, if they would have had it on on a free platform that you could 
put it on anywhere on your TV on anywhere, not just on your phone. The production of the shows was actually really well. Like, why done. do you care if they're watching them on their phone yeah. or anywhere? Yeah. It was like why do you care? They drew the line. Like, that was their thing. That was their that, thing. Yeah, it was dumb. Yeah, it, was it was so dumb. stupid. Didn't work. You know, you need to be able to write it, put it, and present it everywhere. You know what I mean? The shows so, look good. They spent money on, and you know, there was epic, you know, locations and the sets. It was, but Quibi is quib bye bye. So <laughs> next, what's the next thing, listener? Let us know what you think. You can join the conversation. Join our Facebook group. It's called Jock and Nerd Nation. It's an exclusive closed group just for us geeks and nerds and jocks and weirdos and freaks. Everyone's welcome. Uh, come in and chop it up. Uh, all right, Andrew. Let's. Uh, I want the listener to get to know you because uh, I think some of our new listeners may not know you are a longtime friend of the show. Talking nerd. Longtime friend, first time caller. Longtime friend, first time caller. Actually, your th- this is your third appearance. You were on the spinoff show back in April, but you originally came on the show episode two eighty three no, last April. Last April, twenty nineteen. Yes, sorry, over yeah. here. But your first appearance was March 2016, episode 83 oh, shit. of the Jockey Nerd podcast four years ago, in which we were introduced to the, your Kickstarter for Man of Sin. And the other day, it was a while ago, I forgot to tell the guys I get a package, and I was excited. I wasn't expecting this, Andrew. And I opened the package, and it's the Man of Sin Kickstarter package. So... First of all, let me just congratulate you on getting this done and delivering a fucking thing. This is I we backed the Kickstarter and we got a thing. This is a win-win situation. I like when that happens. Well, thank you, man. Thank you for having me. It's, it's awesome to be back. I, you know, I love hanging out and talking to you guys. And thank you for backing the Kickstarter. And I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I came back. You know, came to you in one piece. It's always scary when you send stuff to the post office. Yeah, you don't know these days, especially what's uh, going to happen. Um, well, first thing I actually I wanted to know: How does it feel to to birth this thing? You've spent so much time on it. It's like a baby. It's out there now. It's tactile. You can hold it. What does that feel like? Oh man, it's awesome. So back in when I first came on the show in 2016, I was doing a Kickstarter for just the first issue. Yeah, and like the Man of Sin story is is so wild with ups and downs. So right after that, I signed. I got picked up by a literary manager. And I was like working for two years developing stuff for Hollywood. So I took a complete break from comics and Man of Sin while I was doing this. And absolutely nothing came out of that relationship. Yeah. Watch, uh, uh, listen to the, the uh, spinoff show. Yeah, we go into great in detail about yeah. that. So that, that uh, not absolutely nothing. I, I have a bunch of stuff I could still use, but nothing t- tactile, nothing real came out of that. So then uh, Man of Sin ended up getting picked up by an indie publisher called Insane Comics. Yeah. Um, and then the first two issues, issue one and issue two, were published through them in 2018. And issue three was about to be released, and they closed their doors. They shut oh, down. Shit. Oh, shit. Holy fuck. Yeah. That sucks. And just, yeah. So it was – and it was really – what's really interesting, too, I don't know if you guys are uh, – you guys, I'm sure, are following what's going on with Diamond and the comic book industry – um, and how a lot of the major diamond was the only distributor pretty much for comic shops. Yeah. Like they had a monopoly on it. Yep. And what insane comics big downfall was, is that they refused to go into diamond. Wow. Like they did not want to pay diamond, like pay diamond a cut. So they developed their own individual preview page and was sending it out to comic book stores, but very few comic book stores wanted to cut a sec- separate check. Right. They're right. like, just go into diamond yeah. and we'll buy your book. Yeah. And so he like had this, he was like, no, 
I'm literally, I'm giving you a better price. Like his, his argument was, this is a better business deal. And all the comic book shops were like, absolutely not. And then lo and behold, COVID hit and now everyone's doing what he's doing. So yeah, that's interesting. I've, you know, if you've followed what's happened over the summer, cut to the summer and COVID and diamond actually shut down comics were not shipping uh, for the first time in like 80 years. Uh, and this caused a lot of problems with retailers. And I believe they've come back and DC Comics actually left Diamond. Oh, shit. Right? They're using somebody else now. Yeah. So they're. That's crazy. There's a lot, there's a lot more um, of what the guy who, who is running Insane Comics, a lot more of what he's doing. A lot more indie guys are like not putting their books in Diamond and just going straight wow. to the comic book shops. And comic book shops are like, oh, yeah, we do this now. Yeah. So like he was a little bit ahead of the curve um, on that. So they shut down. So we were, we were with this half finished series. We had most of issue three done, none of issue four done. Like, what do we do? And we were kind of just going back and forth, me and the artist Camilo uh, Ponce, who, you know, does the artwork. And we were, you know, he was getting messages. I was getting messages. People were like, you know, are you going to finish this? What's going on? So we decided to go back to Kickstarter, kickstart the whole graphic novel. And, uh, you know, um, that was in 2019 It successfully funded, uh, you guys were backers. So thank you. Yeah. And, uh, we, we finished the, the whole thing up and printed up a, a beautiful graphic novel and sent it out to everyone. And, uh, the reception has been awesome. People loved it. And we actually got picked up by another publisher. Wow. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we're, uh, we're going to be published by Marcosia in 2021. So nice. they're they're going to be releasing issue one, two, three, and four. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, uh, for the listener, uh, tell them what man of sin is about. And the package I got came in an awesome box and it was filled with pinups and uh, uh, the first issue and a whole bunch of fun stuff. Describe what the book is and what was in the box. I've shared, you guys saw the photos. Yeah. I shared the photos with the guys. I think so. Okay. Andrew, what, what is the book? What's in the box? So uh man of sin is basically uh, this, uh, a father is tormented by the fact that uh, his son died and he doesn't have answers to it. And so the more and more answers that he gets, the deeper and deeper into madness uh, he kind of goes into. And the further the madness he gets into, the more kind of loss of reality and grip on reality that he finds and the more kind of demonic things kind of come out. That's the, the best way I could describe it yeah. without spoiling anything. So uh, it's, it's, um, the horror books, there's a lot of blood and, and, and violence in this graphic, but it's also very beautiful. There's a lot of touching character moments. Um, you know, me and Camilo poured five years of our hearts into this thing, and it's really awesome to get it out into the world. I read uh, the, the trade here, and the art is it's beautiful. It's haunting. It's nightmarish. It reminds me of a little Bill Sienkiewicz, a little bit it's, of It's crazy crow. that you've never actually even met in person, right? Yeah. With, oh, with the artist, with the artist Camilo's great. Yeah. We, we never he's in met Brazil. Uh, no, he's in Chile. Chile. In Chile. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We actually, we've never had an actual, like I've never heard his voice. Wow. Um, you never even talked to him. Wow. Yeah. We've just communicated solely on, uh, originally it was, um, back MSN in like 20- messenger. Yeah. It was uh, the, uh, AOL. Yeah. It was an AIM. <laughs> yes, AIM. Yeah. ASL uh, question mark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we would meet in a, ch- yeah, we would meet in a uh, Marvel chat room and we would just, 
Back on the bulletin board. But, dude, this is a, a professionally finished, produced piece. The lettering, top-notch. Uh, everything looks it, it looks so great. And as far as your pacing, the, the moments, the turn of page, shocking moments that you have worked in here work really good. Really good job, and I, I, I love that I get to have it. You guys, what do you think of what's in the box, these uh, these, these pinups? And you get, a, you get a kind of sense of some of the pages on the inside and the arts. I'm looking at what. What link am I supposed to be looking at here? It's the one that says "Photos of Man of Sin Kickstarter Package." Okay, all right. I'm (laughs) pretty straightforward. I've been looking at the other links. We'll get to that. Go back. Oh, okay. So, uh, I did look at these previously. Uh, Yeah, this like the artwork looks great. Look, there's a shitload of stuff in there. Uh, There's pinups and there's all kinds of imagery in here. What 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 exactly am I looking at here besides the comics in this box, Imran? Andrew, what's in the box? So, what's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> so I got a uh, a custom mailing box. So the 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 box itself is from from art or cu- and there's some custom pieces in there just for the box for the fans that bought our um, our exclusive fan box from the Kickstarter. So the box itself is a collectible, um, and then inside the box there was um, the Man of Sin comic uh, graphic novel itself and the Man of Sin um, uh, variant cover that John Bivin uh, drew. That's really awesome. I, was really, I, love that. Uh, I love the variant cover. It's great. Yeah, I was really excited to work with him. And the fact that he was available and wanted, you know, wanted to work with me uh, was, was really awesome. And uh, so those two are in there. It, uh, it came in a, um, a unique kind of like sealed poly bag because I yep. wanted... I wanted everyone who opened the fan box because um, it was a higher tier reward. I wanted the unboxing experience to be really cool and unique for them. Um, this so box it came- is dope. Yeah, I'm finally pulling it up. I was looking at the wrong stuff. <laughs> yeah, Imran put it in. The, I, I couldn't. We tell haven't got to that part. Go ahead. Yeah, you. I was looking at the Dropbox yeah. links. Yeah. So yeah. So um, I wanted the unboxing experience to be really cool. So I, I put them in a, a, a custom poly bag with some more Madison art um, on that. And then inside it, I just loaded it up with literally um, everything that we created over the five years, plus some exclusives that I just made for that box. So there's like, um, I want to say there's probably like seven pinups. Some of them were from the series artist Camilo. Some of them were from uh, artist friends of mine, uh, like Walter Oswell, who does like Metal Shark Pro. And he does a couple um, other other comics that I can't think of at the moment, but, um, so those were in there. There's a poster, there's pins, stickers, um, kind of think what else was in there. There's a holo- I, I, holographic, uh, the stickers I like, and the, the pin is nice for the listener. If you look at your podcast app, you will see the photo of all the stuff that comes in this awesome Kickstarter package. Uh, I mean, this, it was a fun unboxing. It was a lot, really cool to get it, Andrew. Like, this is how you do it. Yeah. This is it how looks you do definitely it. like you're getting your bang for your buck here. Yeah, I, love, so like, I love that Imran had the box, like actually physically has a box, and then asked me and Rug. So, what do you guys think about the box? I forgot to tell you. That's why <laughs> I uh, well, the we phone. don't have the box. That's why. Well, we get one for backing the kicks. What am I supposed <laughs> you to do? Have the box. Send it around. That's why I took photos so you guys could see it. <laughs> but as far as the imagery, dude, like the one imagery on the box that's in the beginning. I think it's in the beginning of the book, which is something I've never seen before, and it's just it's shocking. It's the upside down crucifixion like an actual dude crucified but it's upside down oh shit. Uh, that is a powerful image i don't think i've seen that anywhere else done yeah camilo uh kind of took what i had on the page and just ran with it it's uh 
it was really awesome working with Camilo. Like by the time we were we were done, it was pretty much just shorthand. Um, he would just I don't even know how else to explain this. He would take whatever I had on the page or whatever I was thinking, and not only do exactly what I wanted, but make it better. And you know, he was just um, he's just a master. Like his the way he works. Like I have no idea how he doesn't have bigger work at like the big two. Like he's an absolute an amazing artist. So I was just really lucky to work with him. The, the paint, the painted, the beautiful brush painted pages are great. So congrats on that coming out. What is the next thing, Andrew? What do you got coming up now? Oh man. Yeah. Uh, right now, live on Kickstarter, I'm a part of a really big uh, horror anthology called nightmare uh, theater. It's, um, I believe it's very short to reaching its goal in just two days. It went live, I believe yesterday or a couple of days ago. Um, it's pretty much the, some of the biggest names in indie comics are wow. part of this. Uh, wow. so like, um, I don't know if you guys know, like Russell Nolte, who's done, um, uh, Ichabod monster hunter and Katrina hates the dead. There's a guy, um, David Pepos who's done Spencer and Locke. Um, he's just done, uh, uh, the OZ, which is like this, uh, Wizard of Oz slash DMZ mashup thing. Oh, I did hear about uh, that. Yeah, I've heard about that. So he's in the book. Um, They're both in the book. Who else? Uh, There's there's a ton of people. I'm I'm blanking on it right now. The the anthology looks great. I just took a look at it. Yeah, so this is live on Kickstarter. Listener, I'll have a link in the show notes. It's called Nightmare Theater, a cinematic horror comic anthology. 27 days to go with 241 backers currently. They have $11,449 pledged of their $13,000. 600, 666 goal. I like that they, they did 13666. I see what they're doing. But yeah, so I, I, uh, I was talking to the guy who, who was running it and he actually brought me on board. And uh, he was like, yeah, we were originally going to have like 10,000 or whatever the thing is. He was like, but we kind of needed to stay on brand. Yes, 13666 is appropriate. So I feel like these guys are going to hit it. They still got a lot of time and they're almost there. That's uh, 225 plus pages in yeah, color they're, they're gonna they're gonna hit it i mean they're they're less than two grand away or two grand away yeah. with 27 days that's amazing yeah they uh you know i was really really honored that they reached out to me and asked me to be a part of it it was uh it was really cool to be a part of it nightmare so, theater looks great yeah so the the story i have in there is a eight page short story um it's called the cricket man it's i'm doing it with uh, a really awesome artist her name is donna black and she's from ireland Cool. Uh, and I have I have talked to her. I've heard her. Voice. Okay, so you know what she right. sounds like. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe your chemistry won't be as good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that ruins everything. Oh, I know. Yeah. What you sound like oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like girls with the mask. It's like oh, don't take off the mask. <laughs> oh my god, SNL. Have you seen? They did a a video of a music video, and it was all about girl take off the mask let me see your face take off the mask in like a nightclub it was super funny they finally know what it's like to live in afghanistan yes now you know <laughs> what the arab world has been going through everyone is wearing a job it's very weird for me to to look around i'm like i'm sorry i took i steered that you in just the wrong direction. uh yeah you just broke us off on a tangent what else you got going on andrew yeah and then my uh my next full series the one i'm doing after uh, you know now that man of sin's over um, I'm going to bring that to Kickstarter uh, November 10th. It is called Forgotten Hymns, and it's a uh, Lovecraftian noir Ooh, Lovecraft. comic. Very popular yeah. these days with Lovecraft Country oh, yeah. on HBO. Yeah, that was uh, not intended, but I, I will I will uh, ride the wave. Have you have you seen any of that? It's really good. I haven't. You know what? I haven't seen Lovecraft Country uh, yet. Um, it's definitely something I'm. It's on my my list of things. I haven't had time, but I have read. 
somehow I got uh, the book. a copy. No, I actually got a copy of the first episode script. Oh, you have wow. a copy of the script of the show. What? The oh, fuck? shit. Wow, cool. And so, uh, so I read the script. So yeah. I, I know kind of what the, what the first issue or the first, you know, um, episode is going to be. Uh, I like this Forgotten Hymns. The art is very different style, more, you know, uh, traditional graphic, hard contour line uh, artwork, ink brushwork. What is this about? What's the story? Uh, so basically, the quick elevator pitch is, uh, what if Jeffrey Epstein had a daughter and she found out that her dad was an avatar for the old gods? Oh, wow. Shit. An avatar for the old guards. Jeffrey Epstein. Wow, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. And so the the longer kind of pitch would be, you know, uh, a, bil- a billionaire Harris is trying to cover up her father's crimes. And in doing so, she uncovers the occult secrets her family's tied to. Ooh. And, and so she starts in the city and we kind of see her kind of doing some dirty work for her dad. And then she ends up having to go home. Uh, I created this fictional town in Southern Illinois called Lincoln County. And she goes back home and kind of has to figure out what her family's all about. And in doing so kind of meets some Lovecraftian monsters and madness ensues. Uh, dude, sounds hmm. great. It's very, uh, uh, very on brand for your stuff. Like that, you know, Madison is very occult, but then the Lovecraft stuff, throwing that in, it's super trendy right now. Like th- this is going to work out really good. I hope so. Yeah. We, we've, uh, we've had a lot of really good reception with all of our promo images that we've put out and we're, um, we've, we've set up a page where you could get notified and a lot of people have already, you know, decided they want to get notified. So it's been, it's been really awesome, the reception for it so far. And, um, I have like, I don't know. I guess I'll reveal now. I have like one really big creator who's doing a variant cover. Did you guys see that? No. The, uh, I have Ben Temple Smith doing uh, oh. a, who who did a variant cover for us. He was on. Oh, board. he's really good. Yeah. What has yeah. he done? He's done Thirty Days of Night. Okay. Uh, he's the guy who created Thirty Days of Night. He's done. Um, he's on Batman. Uh, you know, Gotham by Midnight. I'm trying to think of what oh, else. Like, oh, wow. yes. So he's done a lot of image. He's done stuff for Image with Warren Ellis. He's Australian. Cool. Yeah. So uh, that'll be coming out November 10th. And then, um, yeah, that's, I'm really excited for that. I can't, uh, I can't wait to, uh, to release that to the world. That's very exciting. You guys, any questions, comments on any of this for Andrew? All I got to say is, man, continued congrats. Yeah. And we're supporting you the, the whole step of the way. Anything we can do to, to push the links and push the Kickstarters. I mean, you're ever since we last spoke, April 2019, when you gave me the horror story of working with that guy, yeah. I mean, you've kind of you've blown up a little bit. I mean, you're, you're you got you're on two or three different projects now. This is great, man. Thank you, I appreciate it. And you know, I, you're I just love- some random dude that came on our show right? like four or five years ago. Uh, yeah. I'm like, who yeah. the fuck is this wrestling I was, coach? <laughs> I was like some random dude who just walked into Emron's house, and, like yeah. hung out with him for a while. Back when I could uh, just let strangers in my house and there was nothing wrong with that. Remember that. Remember comic book conventions? But what, what's cool about this, though, is that, like, you wanted to do something and you, you made it happen. Like, just you created something out of nothing with no help, basically. And, you know, you found the resources and you found ways to make it happen. I mean, that's a, yeah, an amazing Yeah, you didn't give story. up. Yeah. So yeah. many people have tried to get something out there and just failed miserably. And so you've had the, you know, you had the determination to keep with it and, and make it happen for everybody. And, so, and there's uh, a lot of people that have ideas and they're like, I want to do that. And then they just never do it. Like Imran, that's Imran's basically his well, whole I life up, up until this podcast. Yeah, up until this podcast. <laughs> that's about it. So everything else, <laughs> I have great ideas. The follow through could use a little work. But, that, but that's super admirable to like have an idea and be like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And well, you're, you're doing it, man. 
thank you guys. And I, I love and appreciate and all the, all the support and everything you guys done, you know, done for me and my books and stuff. So thank you so much. And, you know, talking about, you know, doing something that didn't exist in the world. I, you know, I had a, I don't know if you guys know this. I had a daughter about a year ago. Whoa, congrats. Thank you. And, um, I really, once she was born, I really kind of decided that I, I needed to put my money where my mouth is. Mm. If I was going to be a parent and was going to tell her she could do anything that she wants to do. Absolutely. And so I want to be proof positive that you can do whatever you want. And I could point to these things like man of sin and my uh, nightmare theater and now forgotten hymns. And I could point to these things and say, I wanted to make this and I made it happen. I had no idea what I was doing beforehand, but I found ways to do it. I, whatever hurdle came in front of me, I, I, you know, confronted it. I evaluated it and I moved on and I want to be able to actually mean it when I tell it to her, not blow smoke up her ass, which I feel like a lot of kids get. Yeah, absolutely. I did want to say though, when you were, you, you, you prefaced by saying when you made it, got into that thing with your daughter about how you wanted to create things that never existed in the world. And then you go, see, so, yeah, so I had a daughter last year. I'm like, Oh, so you're going with that. That's the angle. You created a daughter. That's the second thing you created. created Very good. You did not uh, exist before. You did not exist. Only because of your determination. I made that out of nothing. Look, check it out. It's in the basket (laughs) over there. Andrew, it's super fucking inspiring, especially, look, this trade man of sin is something you could put on the shelf and it's there forever. It's like, look, I made this out of nothing. It's there. It can be enjoyed. Like that is what what an accomplishment. And uh, I I'll put links to everything in the show notes, of course. Listener, check it out. Wish you nothing but more luck and success, uh, as always. And uh, just keep keep pumping it out, kids. Thanks, man. I kids and it. books, both things. Yeah. Both. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm good with one for right now. Okay, good. Listener, I know what you need. You need a mask because uh, here in Chicago they're about to shut everything down again. So you're going to need masks. We have masks. Visit our Jock and Nerd shop, T-Public shop, jockandnerd.com slash shop. We'll get you there. Multiple designs, two different kind of masks. There's always sales, and there's T-shirts and tumblers and magnets and pins and stickers and, all, and hoodies. It's getting cold. Get all that shit. Stay warm. Stay safe. Visit our T-Public shop. Okay. Here's something fun we're going to do. Let's get to our first of two reviews. Oh, shit. Two movie reviews this episode. This first one, though, it's kind of a special one. Uh, they're always special. They're always this special. One extra special. This one is Very extra special. special. We are going to be reviewing the 2014 comedy horror Canadian film Wolf Cop. Oh, shit. Surprise. Why? Here's why. This is a Patreon movie pick. If you support us on Patreon and give us $10 a month or more, you can pick any movie you want to force us to watch and review. But on top of that, it is also a Halloween gift from myself, and it's sponsored by listener supporter Lisa Morrison. This review is dedicated to all the listeners, all the Halloween fans, and her husband, Steve Morrison. Who's also a listener and a a supporter. And a listener and supporter and Canadian. (laughs) We got a a married couple doing this. uh, Yes, they both support us. So I will say this pick was much objected, Lisa Morrison. I had to fight for this. Just know. Yeah, it was not top of my list to uh, review. Yes. But, uh, uh, you know. 
But uh, <laughs> I watched it. What, would, whatever, whatever do you mean, Rumboy? How is it not on the top of your list? Anthony was like, I object. I was like, overruled, by I the watch fucker. a lot of garbage, too. That's yes, the thing. I watch a lot of crap. So, Anthony, thanks for letting me overrule this decision. Yeah. Overruled, bitch. I object. <laughs> okay, so Lisa Morrison, yeah. this is her third pick, Patreon pick. We've already done the movie Serenity for her. We've done the movie Goonies for her. And she's been a patron for 34 months. So she gets a, another bonus Wolf Cop pick. Now, yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, whatever you want. Uh, we'll it, do it. Interesting enough, we also said Steve Morrison, also a Patreon supporter. He's actually been supporting us for 41 months. Oh, shit. Whoa, longer, Whoa. but his pledge is lower than Lisa's. So I don't know what's, oh. I don't know what's going on there. It's fine. Mm. I love both things. Weird. Right? I love I love We got some money coming out of the left pocket <laughs> yeah. and some coming out of the right I hope pocket. This doesn't screw up their budget for the month. <laughs> Where is this coming from? It's going over here. Okay. Spoilers uh for the Wolf oh, Cop. God. Before we get started. <laughs> Does anyone want to get out? I know Anthony and Rugboy want to get out, but they can't. You stay right there. <laughs> I watch it, I'm reviewing it. That's how there it we goes. Go. On Rotten Tomatoes, Wolf Cop. 65% tomato meter, 5.57 out of 10 average rating. This movie apparently was made for $1 million. One really? million dollars. And it wow. is a full Canadian production. Yes, it's a B movie. It is a comedy. It's listed as a comedy genre, written and directed by Lowell Dean. Uh, a cast of people nobody knows, and it's not really important. I will just shout out the <laughs> first couple of people. But the guy playing Wolf Cop, Sergeant Lou Garou, his name is Leo Fafard. Fafard. There's a woman named Tina. She's played by Amy Maticio. And there's another woman named Jessica, played by Sarah Lynn. And you know what? It doesn't matter. Uh, just the, it, really doesn't matter. it really doesn't matter. Um, Anthony. Oh, by the way, this movie, if you want it, check it out. If you want a new Halloween movie, it's free on Tubi, Amazon, and Hulu. And... It's only an hour and 19 minutes long. Another plus for its barely feature length long. Anthony, what happens in Wolf Cup? Um, apparently, this is about some town somewhere, some small town where they, where this, this cop is super disheveled and a drunkard. And I guess he gets infected by some cult and becomes a wolf at night. And he is dealing with that and being a cop and patrolling the streets is now a wolf cop. He's a wolf cop. You're a wolf. A cop. Yeah. Wolf cop. Yeah. Um, Andrew, I appreciate you watching these movies that we reviewed. You made him watch I this made it too. I feel like I should give him. He, he's not even getting anything. I, know, I feel from like I should send him like two dollars just out of <laughs> just to make a few bucks. But you know, I'm just I'm just happy to be here, guys. <laughs> Andrew, let's start with you real quick. You're the guest. Opening thoughts overall. Once Wolf Cop was over, what was going through your head? I can never unsee <laughs> the pee scene. Yes. Oh shit! Oh, I can never. That's un- the thing that sticks out. I can really? never unsee that. Also, the 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 wolf love scene. Yes, uh, I can never unsee that. But uh, it wasn't. It I, I, it wasn't an F. Like like it, it was like a you know it, it it would move on to the next grade. Okay, yeah. it's a pass. It's not yeah. a fail. You're not putting like a bumper sticker. Like, hey, you know, look at this great movie I made. I love Wolf Cop. I mean, it's obviously a low-budget B-movie. But, look, let's just get into a little bit of discussion because, yeah, obviously B-movie, low-budget. 
But I found, I got to even credit, they did things that I've never seen in a fucking wolf, werewolf movie oh, shit. before, Rugs. Would, yeah. Wouldn't you agree? They were actually, they were trying, they introduced some new shit. It was, it was low budget, but I was like, this concept, I've never seen anybody do this in a werewolf movie. Well, I mean, the fact that he starts to transform Dick. So first. let's d- describe for <laughs> look. This is this is the this is the look. This is the scene that defines the movie, yes. right? This is everything else is pretty much eh, whatever. Yeah. But like, this is the scene that you're gonna remember. Yes, that to this movie in particular. Um, Can you describe the first transformation in Wolf Cop? Yeah, he went to take a piss, and his dick starts to turn into a wolf dick. <laughs> and, and uh it, it like it it uh it like uh he he the, he wolfs out like they do in sleepwalkers where like they rip out of the skin oh so, so like, they have i didn't know it's oh yeah they, it's that's been done been before done. yeah so instead of him growing hair turning into a wolf yeah. it's underneath the skin like and he's sh- under the skin yeah, and a wolf and then it rips the through skin. the skin i thought that i've never seen i that. think that that's stupid i hate that it is kind of like dumb. anyway <laughs> but um i'd rather that they, you have hair follicles that can grow yeah, that's easier the hair grows out yeah, not for a million whatever. dollars. You don't do that shit. Whatever, but you know his dick. Uh, he has the penis transformation, and then there was a part where like he saw the face, his face like starting to split down the middle. Yeah, and then and you're like, oh, he's gonna rip his face off and be a wolf or anything. And then they, when he went to a bathroom stall, <laughs> and then you never saw him again. Can't afford that. They, so they, they did the money. They, could, yeah. they probably shot it and looked bad. So they're like, ah, oh, fuck it, we're just gonna have him in the stall doing the transformation. Uh, Anthony, did but, that make you cringe at all? The fucking dick uh, exploded with the wolf dick underneath. What the fuck? Wait, wait, didn't rugs? You have something that you cut him off there? Oh, of course yeah, he did. I, but like, it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> As per usual. Yes. Anyways, my opening thoughts. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously a B movie, yeah. but this is like the worst kind of B movie because it's a b- movie that's trying to be bad, yeah, and be- and it knows it's bad and is trying to be funny and like leave things with you. And I didn't find it funny. I didn't find it fucking amusing. I found literally the whole the entire movie. I was just bored. And there was at times when the movie was like kind of like more serious than it should be. The only thing I liked was that you got to see a pair of tits, and I can see that for free <laughs> a lot of other places. So yeah, this was a complete waste of time. <laughs> Wow, I mean, I did not like this movie at all. I, 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 I can give you my rating right now because there's not much discussion for there me. There's no, there, it's a movie that wants to be bad and it succeeds. Yeah, there's just like for me, I. It's weird that it's listed as a comedy because I did not think it was a comedy. It wasn't funny, but I, I, I had a strange fascination. That's I, what it's trying to be. Yeah, but uh, it, it's it's I didn't. It was kind not of funny. funny. It's not funny. Is I thought funny? when he was Wolf Cop was kind of fun. Like I was into just the Wolf Cop scenes. Everything else, I was just waiting for him to turn into Wolf Cop. I was like, okay, um, how I feel about low budget films. I feel like as long as they're trying, just swinging for the fences. And even though they don't might have the budget to do it, if at least they're swinging for the fences, then I'm good with it. But there was times where they were trying to swing for the fences, and I think that bathroom scene was one of them. Yeah. And then the scene where he's making the wolf mobile, the wolf mobile, yeah. all right, <laughs> was. But that was like so underwhelming. Yeah. It was just like he turned the thing to the side. It I wanted to montage. see some really crazy yeah. shit. I, I, so, I was wondering when when that happened. Like, why did he turn? The lights to the side, <laughs> just to, just for it to be different, it's but like sideways because it's wolf, but it's um, wolf-mobile. so like uh, you know, there was times where they were trying to go for it, and then like they had that thing with the lizard people. Yeah, everyone was lizard people. That was really bad effect. That was like straight from uh, like Godzilla versus yeah. Mecha Godzilla, where it just or flashes and Megalon, where those yeah. the villains turn into like creatures. Yeah, it's bad, but like um, I think. <laughs> 
I don't know. It was just one of those things that like it was. There's some crazy ass shit that I've seen that's low budget that is handled better than this. And this has it does have two, two or three memorable scenes. So I'll give it that it has boobs. So it has that. <laughs> Um, it has like some weird bestiality in it. All right. So it's got a lot of shit that's weird. Um, and, and, and with everything else is pretty forgettable. I'll say that. Uh, so I was not expecting a sex scene between a wolf. No, I was waiting for a sex scene. Really? You, you, you weren't? No. The minute that girl the, the, comes the, on screen, you go, we're going to see her naked. That's it. Absolutely. The way she's acting. Oh, I mean, she's straight out of a porn star that's video. A good and point. the opening, the opening, like, <laughs> Um, ratings are like strong sexuality. Yeah, you didn't uh, read, read I that? I was like, that. strong sex. I was, I well, was like, oh, this general, is going to be a sex scene. Um, you know what? This, there is a fucking epidemic of sexualizing animal and like half animal, it's half like people. It's like furry, the furry thing. Yeah, there yeah. is a big thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so this is not uncommon. There's like this thing where like in a lot of werewolf movies, and that's why I think that they're the, the, the gateway to this bestiality shit is that in a lot of these wolf movies, a guy who becomes a wolf gets gets horny. Yeah. And can smell like, you know, women. Pheromones and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And all that stuff. So um, it's not out of we, we expect shit like this from like uh, sick wolf, werewolf movies. But uh it's just just jarring. Yeah, it, caught because me, uh, out of, uh, uh, it caught me off guard. I, I expected it fully <laughs> to happen. I wanted to know. Because she was only interested in him when, after he became a werewolf. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give it this. When she was an when old she woman. Morph, when she mor- morphs into an old lady, I go, what the hell? I was hell? like, ah, she's an old woman. The fuck? <laughs> um, do you, I wanted to know if his, his dick was going to be bright pink like dog's penises are. You think that's what it looked like? <laughs> They didn't you should have seen it. They didn't show you that. Seen Why it. didn't they show that? He looks like a shitty beast from the X-Men, you know, so. It's not my favorite werewolf either. I think it's funny that it's a wolf. He's got werewolf powers, but he chooses to just use his gun and like shoot. Like a werewolf is literally one of the best <laughs> low budget things you can do. He does right? pee on the kids, which I gave him points for. I like that. Peeing on that the kids is a lot. Great. There was a lot of pissing in this movie. There was a lot of urinating. Absolutely. For some reason. Uh, like, he, is that is that Canadian humor? Like, I guess. Like well, yeah. If you ever watch Trailer Park Boys, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that, that's like R. Kelly's like pleasure stuff. So <laughs> I don't know if that's humorous. <laughs> Liquor donuts. The concept of the I love the concept of that alcohol was spinach and made him stronger. This drunk and there's something called liquor donuts. I want to try those. See the way you're describing this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that all sounds funny. It's, the way it plays out on screen, well. not that funny. Not it's, it's, well. it's really not that funny. But like, I, don't know, I, don't, I wasn't sitting there laughing at all I of this I thought stuff. it was some of it was clever, but it didn't make me laugh. I was just like, oh, that's a funny idea. Liquor donut. Liquor donuts. Liquor donut. Well, they were trying to build the mythology with the shapeshifters and the blood from the werewolf. You got to feed on them and uh, blah, blah, blah. And, and then so he, he denies his fate and stays alive. Like I was kind of like at the end, I'm like. I kind of want to see what Wolf Cop like just shopping. I just want to see him like taking his laundry in. Well, there is a sequel. There is a sequel. It's called Another Wolf Cop. That's the name of the movie. Is it out? Uh, yes. You can go to wolfcop.com. That came out um, uh, like two years later, I think. No. So I may have to watch the sequel because oh my God. 2017 <laughs> that came out because I kind of want to see the adventures of uh, Sergeant Wolf Cop. Uh, uh, so you would watch another one. I would watch another one. Wow. Okay. Wow. Wow. I want because when I might I might watch another one too. It was but like, wow. it was so bad. It was fun when he was Wolf Cop. I mean, I, I just want to see where they go from like the Wolf Dick to what I want to yeah. see Wolf Pussy. What, like what are we seeing? Like Wolf Tits. Exactly. Like, 
I would watch we it. Gotta see. What are we seeing? Listen, next? you don't have to rent these. They're free on the streaming services. I'm gonna fucking watch it. Uh, there's an awesome rap song at the end, and there was a post credit scene, which I didn't know. I had to go. Oh, back. I didn't see that either. No, I didn't, I did oh, not see uh, don't worry, I'll tell you exactly what it was. It wasn't long. It cuts to this uh, building, this house, and there's a dog tied up outside, whining. And the guy comes out the door, and he's drunk. Uh, he's drunk Canadian, and he's like, "I told you to shut up, dog." And he starts walking to the dog, and then Wolf Cop is there. Oh shit! Growling at him, and then the guy just like goes back inside. That's it. Mm. That was the post credit scene. Mm. Yes, very, mm. very. I thought exciting. it was going to be there, like saying that was something. No, it wasn't. It wasn't building on the mythology. It was just Wolf Cop saving a dog from getting beat from a drunk owner. Mm. <laughs> they snorted dried wolf blood. That was different. I don't know. Whatever. Let's rate the movie, Anthony. <laughs> what number would you give this? This is a point five. Oh out of 10. my god! This is the worst movie. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. Wow. If not, the worst. I mean, it's. Wh- Worse like, again, than it's the bad. Mr. Nanny. It's up there. Oh, it's probably. Fuck. It might be. I think it's worse because it's just. It's just bad. It's, it's trying to fuck be bad show. in a like ironic sense, yeah. and I didn't find it. I didn't find anything humorous <laughs> at all. I was. Oh, right. I thought there was a complete waste of time. <laughs> Andrew, if you had to give worst movie. One of the worst <laughs> movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> if you had to. I love that he hates it so much. I, hate, I actually hate great. it. I hate that I had to watch it. and I hate it even more now. We're talking about it and wasting time talking yep. about it. Andrew, <laughs> give me a number out of 10. What would you give this movie? It can't be worse than Anthony's score. I'll tell you that. No, I'm giving it a 4 5, 4.5. 4.5. Okay. Yeah, the, the Wolf Dick got at least three points for me. Wolf Dick is worth three points alone. I will agree with you there, sir. Uh, Rugs? Yeah. Andrew nailed it right on, right on the wolf penis. Like, um. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's a 4.5 for me. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, yes, it is a terrible film. And I, it was way more, I was way more bored than I should be in an hour and 19 minutes. Yes. But, um, <laughs> there, <laughs> there was something I have never seen before. Yes. Two things yes. I've not seen before, which is a wolf fucking a girl yeah. and, uh, and, and the penis uh, wolf, burst, penis. wolf penis bursting. Yeah. And uh, everything else was eh, whatever, but like that I was thought memorable. They had a barn that exploded. I was like, "Wow, well, that's a pretty good explosion." For this they did a lot of face ripping. Yes, too. this dude gets his face ripped off. That was like in the boys. that was weird. Yeah, yeah I remember that too. Well, yeah, and, the, and, the, and the cop in the bathroom was like playing with it. it oh yeah, she's holding it up. That was fucking weird. She's holding it up. Like, oh, like, who does that? Oh, what? That's it's a police weird. officer. Oh, my face. Oh yeah. god, yeah. just like. And then the coroner is just sitting there, like, "Yep, that's what we do." Like, what's this going is the on? The most fucked up town in Canada. And the coroner puts like the donut on the dead guy. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah. They yeah. went. They saw a dead guy in the forest, and the coroner came, and he was eating the donut, and he, he just puts put, it on the guy's knee. As <laughs> yeah, he loses it. Oh shit! I'm like, I'm like, we're in COVID here. We're like, we're scared of all kinds of germs, and this guy's like, no, give a see, shit. there was something I had fun with this movie. So my score, no surprise, I'm gonna give it a six. I want to oh, really? see more oh, Wolf Cop. You want to see more Wolf Cop? I want to see another Wolf Cop. Imran's totally pandering. He, I, love, I can see no, right through this. I, you, you have no credibility ever. No. Come on. It's, well, it's, the, it's a bad B movie, but there was something about when he's Wolf Cop, the idea of him being Wolf Cop. I want to see more of it. a good movie. You guys didn't like when like he first turned Wolf Cop and he's in the jail and he's like, you're a wolf. Cop. cop. <laughs> and then he goes, yeah, he goes cop. <laughs> and then the big line at the end when he kills the bad guy. The guy's like, what did, what did you expect? And he shoots him in the head and he goes, a promotion. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. It's good. Come on. You're a wolf. Cop. <laughs> Come on. 
Come on. Anyways, that's uh, Wolf Cop. Thank you. I might watch the next one see, just to see what they Wolf do. Cop, I, I might. I have, I have a so small curiosity. Thank you. Lisa Morrison. Steve Morrison. I hope you enjoyed that. I'll watch it if it's as short as this this one was. It, let's see. How long is oh. another Wolf Cop? Uh, it is run. 82 minutes. Oh, so yeah, it's about the same. It's a, well, okay, it's about good. the same length. Yeah. I want to know, I want to know like how these things get made, right? Like you got to get investors, like a million dollars. They just didn't Canada, pick up one day. dude. Yeah. Well, how does that happen? I don't know. I think in Canada, it just sounds like a great idea. They're like, I think, well, I think they just pay for things. <laughs> where, do I, where do I sign here? <laughs> they just pay for things in like maple syrup and then go, oh, this is like the equivalent to a million dollars. Three jugs of maple syrup. <laughs> we, Canadian bacon. We got enough syrup to fund this. That. Yes. The trees are spitting good sap. Let's get Wolf yeah. Cop done, eh? I think that's what happens. Oh, here's a hockey puck. That'll cover the budget. <laughs> we could. Oh, oh we, hockey. We, we could. Oh, my God. We could, oh, shit. We're going to get it out. We can, oh, no. That'll cover it. Anthony went full heel. <laughs> uh, thank you, Steve and Lisa Morrison, who thank are Canadians you guys. that you're making fun of. Uh, I enjoyed watching this. And there's a happy Halloween, everyone. What can I say? Look, we're going to take a quick break, play some promos, and we'll be right back and get into uh, the trial of the Chicago 7 on Netflix right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, my name's Paul, and I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I'm not an animal expert either. And together we do a podcast about animals called Varmints. Every week we pick an animal, do a bunch of research on it, and bring you some interesting facts about that animal. But we don't stop there. We talk about that animal in movies, TV, and other pop culture. And we talk about whether or not that animal would make a tasty dish, and how intelligent we think it is on the scale of 1 to 10. It's exactly like one of those fancy PBS nature documentaries. Except with more poo jokes. New episodes go live every Thursday wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Or you can visit us at BlazingCaribouStudios.com. <laughs> Varmints! Varmints! <laughs> Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. If you ever believed Captain America was on the U.S. Olympic soccer team. If you ever thought that the Winter Soldier was that brace yourselves guy on the internet. And if you ever wondered just what would a raccoon do with a machine gun. Then don't let another week pass you by without tuning into Mighty Marvel Geeks. Mighty Marvel Geeks is your show about all things Marvel. With news, rumors, commentary, and interviews. As well as our weekly recommendations on what to pick up on New Comic Book Day. Official consulting hours are between 8 and 5 every other Thursday. That's Mighty Marvel Geeks on WeebyGeeks.net, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Listener, if you enjoy the show, support the show. Join our fan club. It's at jockandnerd.com slash Patreon. Jock and Nerd! It's like Jock and Nerd plus Max Premium. Uh, what's the other one? Quibi. No, no more Quibi. No Quibi. It's not like Quibi. It's still around. That's why it's not it's like, like the cock. It's like the cock plus Max for Jock and Nerd fans. <laughs> you get bonus content. Everyone gets access to an exclusive RSS podcast feed where there's tons of bonus movie reviews, post shows. The shows come out early. There is a sports show called Jock Talk with Anthony. New, oh, yeah. New uh, new episode this week, Anthony. Yeah. We had on, uh, well, as per usual, Chaz Hubbard, but then we also had Jason Dutch 
uh, coming on pulling double duty that night. He recorded his own show and then came on our show again. He he and, and he was on his uh, on our show last week. So he's just all over the fucking he place. He can't stay away from us. I do have a sound clip uh, from that episode for the listener to tease him. Uh, this was suggested by uh, Jess Rivera. I'm very tired of the Tom Brady dick suck fest. So that now is going to be uh, a permanent sound clip. We, you know what's great is I have uh, TJ. Let me tell you about Tony. All right. Tony ruins lives. I got Jason. I got Jason Dutch. I'm very tired of the Tom Brady dick suck fest. Aren't we all? Come on. On my Monday morning quarterbacking. Am I Do doing you know it right? Who Tom Brady is? He's a quarterback. Okay. There you go. He was on the Brady Bunch. He was on the he Brady the, Bunch. He's the dad yeah. from the Brady Bunch. He died. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he is. Uh, is he the one that's not on the Patriots anymore? That's correct. He went to uh, Florida. That's correct. See, I know shit. That's all I know. Any- I didn't know that. <laughs> Anyways, catch this. I'm very tired of the Tom Brady dick suck fest. What's he talking about? Don't you want to know? Visit jockadir.com slash Patreon. Sign up for the fan club. Okay, let's get into our second movie review of the episode. It is Netflix original, The Trial of the Chicago 7. More spoiler alerts. Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. This movie on the Rotten Tomatoes sitting at a 91% tomato meter, uh, 7.83 out of 10 on the average rating. The budget for this one, $35 million, a little bit more than Wolf Cup. Uh, it is a Netflix original that is written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. You may know the Aaron Sorkin. Anthony, are you a fan of the Aaron Sorkin? I like Aaron Sorkin, yes. What do you like from Aaron Sorkin? Few Good Men. That's a good one. Social Network. That's a fucking great one. Moneyball. He wrote on Newsroom, the HBO series. West Wing. West Wing, which the big joke for years about that show was the show was just like people walking in hallways really fast and talking really fast. Like that's every episode. That's the whole episode. Uh, He also did Steve Jobs and Molly's Game, which he directed that one also. Uh, And he wrote this screenplay in 2007 with the intent of Steven Spielberg directing the film. With unknown actors. That doesn't happen. And we we get known actors starring in this movie. Eddie Redmayne as Tom Hayden. Alex Sharp as Rennie Davis. Sasha Baron Cohen as Abby Hoffman. Jeremy Strong as Jerry Rubin. John Carroll Lynch as David Dellinger. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II as Bobby Seale. Uh, Mark Rylance as the lawyer William Kunstler. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, JGL, as the prosecution attorney Richard Schultz. Uh, ben Shankman and J.C. McKenzie rounding out the seven, and then the incredible Frank Langella playing Judge Julius Hoffman, uh, and a bunch of other people's, but that is, oh, and special cameo, I did not know, spoiler, uh, fucking Michael Keaton, just out of nowhere, pops up, pops in this movie as a cameo. That was a surprise to me, a pleasant surprise. I was not expecting the Michael Keaton. Anthony, the plot of this movie is in the title, obviously, yeah. but... How? What else happens? It's the structure. Yeah, I mean, it's based on, I believe, the Chicago riots during the Democratic National Convention in 1968, yep. I believe. Yep. I'm just doing this off memory. Yeah, I mean, it's just about the, these riots that these people were protesting the uh, Vietnam War at the time. And then Lyndon B. Johnson was president. And once Richard Nixon came in as president, he decided to prosecute uh, eight, actually, not seven, right. eight people. Yep in relation to these riots um, for uh, a conspiracy to riot, crossing state lines, basically doing a whole bunch of illegal shit and trying to, to make an example out of out of these eight people that uh, didn't really know each other all that well. No, some of them did. Some but of them did, but not, really, they, weren't, uh, they were they, separate. You'll see in the trial. 
separate group. So let's just start with you, Anthony. You're Mr. Oscar. What'd you think? Is this thing got Oscar stank on it? <laughs> Oscar stank. Um, first off, this is quite a dichotomy going yes, from Wolf we'll Cop to, this. to Trial of the Chicago 7 in this. the same episode. This is great. So, um, so, so to answer your question, yeah, I mean, this is going to be for sure all a part of Oscar season. It'll get labeled, it'll get nominated for Best Picture and mm. probably a lot of other rewards. Uh, awards, sorry, not rewards. Rewards. Awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did I think of it? I mean, coming out, I, it's it's one of those films that is like clearly Oscar baity into in in terms of um, its subject matter and uh, the outcome and all that. So I mean, there's no way to not feel by the end of that movie when when the credits hit that like just feel like a feeling of wow, this is that was great. Like this is an amazing. That's a great ending this is an amazing you know it has all the feels of a really good feel good mm, movie yep um so yeah i really enjoyed it um there's lots of things to dissect um it's a movie that deserves some deeper analysis because i think it's really good i think it comes down to people's opinions on it i think everyone probably thinks it's a, it's well made for the most part i think where there might be some divisiveness is just the politics that Aaron Sorkin tries to incorporate in it. Yes. Um, because it is his movie, yeah. so he tries to incorporate his view on the world yep. um, throughout the film, and that might rub people the wrong way. But uh, as far as opening thoughts, I thought it was great. Um, great dialogue, great cast, um, great story. So, yeah. Yeah, and as far as Sorkin, you know, putting his uh, his stuff on it, that's no surprise that was going to happen if you watch The West Wing or even Social Network, like, this is his statement. Andrew, uh, you said you were looking forward to this movie anyways. What do you think over opening thoughts? I knew I knew about the story before, so kind of seeing it dramatized was really cool. I wasn't really aware of who the people actually were, so it was kind of uh, nice to get that take, kind of get an intimate, intimate look at that. Yeah. Um, I was really surprised. Uh, about Sasha Baron Cohen. I didn't want to like him coming in, just because I know him from like Borat and everything. Yeah. Uh, but he was really good, and apparently, like he has another uh, like drama thing called The Spy, where he's really good. The Spy is um, excellent. He is a great dramatic actor. Yes, and wasn't he snubbed for some acting role? Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. He wanted, He would have probably done a great Freddie Mercury. He was supposed to be him for a long time. He had the role. Yeah. So I, I thought. I thought. I thought that was really awesome. Uh, I love. I love what Sorkin is able to do with dialogue, yeah. like just people talking and the, the drama and the tension he's able to create. Um, and I thought with the courtroom drama, cause it felt very much like he was going back to his roots with like, uh, um, you can't handle the truth. What's the name of that a few one? Good oh, men. A few good men. Yes. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Yep, yep. Yeah. It, it felt like, it felt like another version of that worked yeah. to me and not in a bad way. Like it wasn't like he was rehashing, but I just felt like he went back to what he's good at. So yeah. I, I love the movie. It was great. Rugs opening thoughts. What'd you think? Well, you know, you can't go wrong with Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Number one, like just on the entertainment value alone of just his scripts and how actors want to be in these roles and they come with their A game. So like you're going to get some fireworks when you, when you watch uh, Aaron Sorkin film, you're going to, you're going to get some nuance. You're going to get some, obviously some of his politics injected in there. You, you're going to get all of that stuff. And I like that because, you know, that's what movie should be about. It should be about the director, the writer getting his vision of what he wants on screen. Now, it gets a little dicey when you're dealing with the history. Yeah. Is it worth making up shit in a, a historical <laughs> event? Like making I, things up. 
I mean, but if it, his aim, I think, was to try and um, either humanize or make it relatable to, to what's happening right now. Yeah, yeah. And I know that he wrote this movie a while back, but I, f- I feel I have, I have a feeling some of the stuff that's it was punched more up. current. Yeah. Uh, is definitely pushing through it. It might, they definitely kind of reworded things and kind of, you know, whatever to kind of make it more relevant. And, uh, I didn't mind that. It's just one, we talked about this last time we watched a, a movie based on a, a true story. It's like, it's a movie. So things are going to change. Like, it's just the way it works. Um, but, uh, this was actually pretty faithful to like the, the beats of what actually happened. Yep. yep. So all in all, I really, uh, I had a, I just didn't like the ending. I thought the I felt because I felt like all right these guys are uh, like how does it end like how you end it and uh, I I felt like the ending was okay but I oh, wish it had like a more explosive ending but you know a really like big crescendo and it kind of just kind of like okay well it was an act of defiance like, at the end yeah I, I don't even think that actually happened well it did but not the, like that not with him not at that time yeah I'll get and. Into uh, <laughs> But the thing is, it's like the whole the, the the thing with this is, is that in the actual real life world, it was a constant act of defiance. Yeah. It was like every day in court, there was some kind of shenanigans. Oh, yeah. These guys were clowns disrupting so, all the time. Yeah. Hilarious. So how do you make a crescendo yeah. out of it? You, got, you know, how do you really get there? So but I did enjoy it. I thought it was very good. Well, I mean, very it's good. again, it's a true story. So there is no explosive ending in real life anyways. Really? You, yeah. You, things don't really. Yeah. yeah. So it, but OK, so. First of all, I love the fucking this period of history in American history. The 60s specifically, I've been obsessed, fascinated ever since high school. I got to credit my humanities teacher who made us read like Malcolm X and Brave New World. And we really dove into the civil rights movement. Uh, 1968 specifically is a crazy year. I love I love this time. It's like if I had a time machine, I kind of would want to go back and live through the 60s. So. Right away, it's amazing Sorkin courtroom drama, and he the, physically he nails the cast as far as appearance and the way I watch videos of Abby Hoffman later and Sasha Baron Cohen, fucking de- oh, the whole cast is dead on, almost looking exactly like the people. And this is an event that has lots of film, has transcripts, has videos before and after uh, TV interviews. There is a lot of video, and I love that they showed the real clips. The performances, top-notch, the dialogue, the writing, the pacing, so good. And the storytelling structure where he's telling you the story of the trial and the events, use cutting from the trial to the events to Abby Hoffman stand-up to the mock trial, and you slowly get the pieces of the night as this thing off. Beautifully, so well-paced. It was never, never dragged. You know, I love, but let's get into a couple of uh, the details and what we like because as much as this really did follow the transcript is verbatim, there are certain things that he changed orders, and then there is a scene that is completely made up. Oh shit! Entirely. Well, let, let me let me ask you this yeah. real quick before we get into yeah. how important is this though? Well, it's you feel when you watch this movie, it's just like Social Network and his other things. It's ed, you're learning something. He's trying to turn people on to a moment in history that is important that everyone from should his, know about. His point of view, though, it's he's. He's latching on to stories yeah. that he thinks are interesting that he can spin, and, sor- and he sorkinizes. No, them. the I mean, sorkinizing is, a- is great. I don't actually. I don't mind the full made up scene. The one there is one instance where there is video of what this film of what happened, and he flips it, and there, you know, what, what are you referring? Okay, to? let's just get there. So, 
The scene after they're denied to march and the crowd heads back to the park and there's the statue on the hill. The, in the movie, it's shown as the cops are already surrounding the hill, right? And with their batons out, with guns, they're ready in protection. Uh, meantime, the, the leaders of the activists, Abby Hoffman and Dave Dellinger, they're trying to calm everyone down, turn them back. And some random dude that comes out yells, let's take the hill. Oh, shit. Which causes everyone to storm the hill and the clash between the cops and the protesters. In reality, this happened the other way around. That after they were denied march, they went back to the hill. The protesters had gotten up on the hill first, and they were climbing the statue, at which point the cops were like, we got to get them out of the park. We got to get them out of the statue. The police come behind them and started pulling them down, and then those that escalated. And shit went bad. I will say they did a good job of kind of showing that it was a lot of the cops, but it's kind of both sides as we've seen. I mean, the fact that they this came out now after the spring, this American protesting spring, you see that both sides are kind of to blame and it's a heightened situation well, yeah, I mean, and shit happens. That's, that's a good point in that Sorokin... He flipped it! Well, and also, he's he's not really nuanced in, in terms of his view in, on things, right. right? Like, it is very clear... He sides with the protesters. Yes. The cops were bad. Yes. In fact, yes. he's trying to make, as Rugboy mentioned, clear um, parallels to what's happening now, even though the inciting situations are completely different. Right. Right. So, yeah, I can see that. I mean, that's prob- that's why I brought up in the review in my opening thoughts. I think a lot of people that might have problems with this movie might have problems with just the politics yeah, that Sorkin is putting in. I don't know if I have a problem. It's just like you're doing this when. There's evidence you can easily look up what really happened. Like, yeah, it's just one of those things that when I'm watching a movie based on a true story, I'm like, okay, uh, I gotta have to fact check this now yeah. because I can't go by this as the way you can, you can't watch a movie and go, I know history, right? You can't, yeah. you can't do but it. You should, and I, but I, I, he's I, trying to teach you something. You you do learn about this whole so thing. You, you get you get a general idea of what happened, right? You get you, you do get like enough to actually be okay. It's it's, it's and you know, I went and fact checked yeah. it, and it, and there is, you know, I would say a good percentage of it. I would say like seventy five to eighty percent, which is basically good for a movie like right. usually movies are 50 percent. a lot of know? the courtroom dialogue so, is straight from the yeah so he went like above and beyond to to make it close to reality but you know there is he is in charge of how he presents yeah, his it. movie so um yeah so he does he does that thing where he 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 puts his own spin on it but um one of the things i wish they would have had that they didn't is and you could this is Sorkin did this by his design. He doesn't let you hear the speech that the Black Panther dude. Oh, Bobby Seale's speech we never hear. That's right, and, and that's what in, gets everybody riled up because he tells them the you know the, the you know don't let these cops push you around. Yeah, yeah. you need to get these so cops. he left that out. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, there's things like that, that that are yeah. also germane to yeah. the argument yeah. that are that that are not are, are left out. And that's why he was there. I think that's the reason why he's included with those guys is because there would they felt that it was related. But anyway, well, he was obviously they were all being railroaded. He was just throwing yeah, in were, with them. Were, they, he didn't they even they know were them. All being, they, they were all being forced into this thing, obviously, for whatever all these varying reasons because they 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 wanted to they want to make examples of these guys, all right? Because they didn't want the civil unrest. <laughs> yes. But it's just crazy. Um, how it does even even if you take all of the Sorkinisms out, yeah, right? Yeah. It still does 
reflect like that this shit happens yeah. in every age and yeah. every uh you know generation there's always some kind of stuff where people and 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 there's civil unrest and and they're trying and they're trying to diffuse it in any way by any way possible and sometimes nefarious ways or whatever or things that get twisted into nefarious things it's it's very crazy. I mean, studying this shit in history, I never would have imagined I would be fucking living through it while there's a pandemic also. Oh, all shit. at the same time. Andrew, you're a writer. In a project like this, how accurate does it need to be with your message that he's clearly trying to put out? I think it really depends on how accurate the writer wants to be. I mean, if you... Aaron Sorkin does this all the time where he'll he'll take something that, like Anthony said he wants to dramatize like Molly's game or the social network yeah. and he'll, he'll twist things either for dramatic effect or how he thinks the world should be. You know, as a writer, I think when you create something, it's your chance to tell the world how you think the world should act or should be. And I think this is just Aaron Sorkin flexing his, his muscle in that regard. I think where it gets dicey is people that will watch this. And I think there's going to be a, a large majority that watches it this way. And they're, they're going to take it like it's a documentary. This is the story. Just like the social network is the story of Facebook. As well, long it's as like the, bra- the Braveheart argument, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it, it, they're all guilty of doing the same shit, right? They're all just kind of like rewriting history as they see, but I, Sorkin's so much more intelligent at how he does it though. I really respect yeah. the fact that he's very nuanced in he does try and give you a little bit. He doesn't quite give you enough, but he does give you a little bit of like the opposite view, the opposing view where things, you know, where there's a gray area. I think that it's, it, you have to have, it can't just be black and white. It can't just be just, okay, this it's clear cut. No, there might be some questions. There might be some things that to discuss. I like that. I like that. There's the, uh, there is that nuance there. I, I would say Imran, um, as far as like, I understand why we're having the conversation and you leave yourself open to this type of debate, right? When you make a movie that's based on a true story. Yeah. Um, but I kind of want to pivot away from that. Okay, and the reason yeah. being is this is, there's so much more to this movie than the debate about the true story. Like, yeah. yes, you leave yourself open to it, yeah. but like, let's talk about the fact that like, this is an amazing cast. The cast is and, so like, good. W- I'm, what performance do you pick out as like uh, the standout I, performance? I I've like one. got like multiple standout performances. I'm gonna say, look, Keaton's great, Yaya Abdul Mateen, great, uh fucking Sasha Baron Cohen, great. To me, fucking Frank Langella stole the show. He was so great and weird. I didn't know if the judge was senile or just an asshole. Uh, and every time he spoke, the the richness in his voice, he is so good. I thought he stole the movie. I thought he was great. You know, I I gotta be honest. I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen is really good yes. in this. Yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen. Every time he's on, he's super magnetic. Electric. I was like, I was almost like, I don't know if it was supposed to be funny, but every time he tried yeah. to like, interrupt, I know. And, the, and then Frank Langella's Frank Langella's character would shut him down. Yeah. I was laughing. Yeah, I, mean, I was like, this comical. is kind of funny. Yeah. And but for me, the the standout guy is um, uh, Rylance, Mark Rylance. I oh, thought he was playing, fucking uh, awesome as what? the as the as the attorney. Oh, it's um, Kunstler. Oh, Kunstler is yeah. very I good. Was, yes. I mean, the line where he goes, which hum are you guys here uh, report a jury duty? 
Oh, none of you? Well, then shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, so good. <laughs> Mark Rylance is great and everything. JGL was, he was all right. He just did. I mean, I didn't think there was anything special. I did think Eddie Redmayne as Tom Hayden wasn't bad also. I thought there was, I thought it was a standout cat. Like everyone was bringing yeah. their A game. Yeah, yeah, everyone brought their A game. You know, as I said, it is a vehicle for actors to do their best oh, yeah. stuff and a director that's going to let them do it. Yeah, I think, I feel like Sorkin's like almost s- sets up the actors to like, to always look good. Right, because his dialogue yeah. is so witty and so um, snappy that, like, if you're in an Aaron Sorkin movie, yeah. you're unless you're like a complete schlub, yeah. you're gonna look good. Well, the yeah. words are so important, so I'm sure he has everything planned out. He knows what he wants, yes. and yes. I think he gives the actors room. He creates a rhythm, and that rhythm is, you can see that the rhythm of the, his the dialogue of, is amazing. How, how how it's paced yeah. and how it's like, it's like a tennis match. Yep. Yep. A lot of yep. it, so it's really good, and um. You'd be dumb to be an actor and not kill it in one of these movies. You gotta, you gotta bring everything to it. What so. one of the things I see online? I'm curious what you guys think though. Is like because Sorkin is so big, and because like this movie is is already getting that Oscar hype. Is there's already like some sort of like backlash against Sorkin in terms of like he's the way he Sorkinizes things. Yeah. And the, and the, one of the big criticisms I see besides his politics on things is that. The way people talk, although it's super entertaining, none of these people talk like real people. Right. What, what do you guys think about that? Well, but in this case, you know, he Abby Hoffman was saying straight lines that Abby Hoffman said. Right. He was, he actually did say that. He so. said a lot of that stuff. That whole that whole line where the guy's like, "Would you take him to hundred thousand dollars? What's the price for the revolution?" And he goes, "My life." Like you could watch a video verbatim that exchange happened, and uh, so. But where the Sorkin stuff would be would be. I guess the stuff where they're meeting in private, where they would you wouldn't really know what was said. This is, and I I think he does a great job in those moments, and you know, in the mock trial and the the times when it's not the trial when they're meeting, uh, and even in the, in the well, protest just scenes. anything that's not in the courtroom, anything that's much. not in the courtroom, yes. Well, I mean, they, they people they talk to each other. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm entertained by it, but they talk to each other outside of the courtroom, like they're inside a courtroom. They're always uh, like. The, that rhythm They're of like on. objection yeah. like it, everyone's always yeah. at odds everyone's always yeah. cutting each other off like saying like something where you're like oh they did that guy just put that guy on right the heels there. oh no he hit him on his the heels. rhythm of the dialogue yeah, yeah. i think that, I uh, that if if you're going to like uh, say okay no one talks like that like it's every movie it's <laughs> 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 like you know like it's very yeah. very few and far between that the movies capture actual the reality of how people interact and it doesn't sound stagey because he's a playwright, right? Yeah, that's very so everything it's that very he does theater. is sounds like a theater. But uh, I felt like it so. felt authentic to the time too. So yeah, yeah. I mean, there, it is a criticism you, and you, it makes sense. Do you think they were using radical left back then? Yeah, they were called radicals. Of course, they've been using but, the but, word but, radicals but were they, for a long but time. Do you think they go the radical left? It's just the radical left in disguise. I don't know. I know. I don't know. I, we weren't alive. Then. I do that's know that trying. Jerry Rubin did say. I know that's being said right now. <laughs> yes, it's saying now. Yeah, I just, it, I think that there is a there was a version of that. Yeah. They're maybe called radicals, they're called just but radicals. this specific yeah. word, you know, and, and social justice was brought yeah. up. Social justice. Yeah, yeah. so that, that was like okay, right so away. That, I think that was, and you know, he does say cultural. It's a cultural revolution. I think that was obviously, like you said, that's on purpose. Yeah. He's doing. Do you, that. you guys have any like favorite lines? Because I mean, it's a Sorkin movie. Well, Ru- you have to- when Jerry Rubin said, but I think he actually said this. He goes, Are "You excited for the trial?" He goes, "Yeah, it's the Academy Award of protests. Who doesn't want to be there?" But he actually said that at a press conference. But I love that line. 
Jerry Rubin says that. Yeah. I can't remember lines. I, I like never, when uh, I like when Rubin bring. He's like, I have an egg. Oh Mark yeah. Ryan Lance is like, put that. Get rid of that. Okay, it's like, what do you think? And then uh, Yaya's little speech in the beginning where he's like, MLK is dead. Malcolm X is dead. Bobby's dead. Even Jesus is dead. We got to try something else, yeah, basically. It's, yeah, it's, that, that's where. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Andrew, any other highlights from the movie for you? Uh, you guys hit on a lot of them. I um, I was just really surprised, like I said at the beginning, with Sasha Barrett Cohen. I wasn't expecting a yeah. drama like role from him. From him. And uh, it just took me by surprise because I know him from like Ali G and Borat. And like he just nailed it, which was really surprising. Tell you, comedy guys have great dramatic chops, man. I read that he was so when Sorkin wrote this in 2007, he wanted Spielberg to direct. But right off the bat, I think he asked Sasha Baron Cohen oh, to be in it. Oh. Or yeah, to be Abby Hoffman. And it's and it's they just stuck with it for 13 years. Like, wow. I think I think wow. so, you know, I think. Sasha Baron, I don't know how old Abby Hoffman was at the time, but I have a feeling that yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen was almost aged out. Like, oh yeah, so Sa- Abby Hoffman was probably like thirty-four at the time. Oh, okay. And Sasha Baron Cohen would have been like in his thirties, probably in two thousand seven. I think. Yeah, he would have been. Now too. he's like in his forties, right? Could, like late forties. Yeah, yeah. So I think they just kept him. He looks the age still. Like it kind works. Of. Well, he does. I don't know. He looks. He looks a little older than like yeah. someone that we pairing up with uh, Eddie Redmayne's character. Well, that's true. Uh, yeah, no, and it was crazy to when you learn, and I don't know if this is true, maybe it is, that it was Tom Hayden, the guy that was not the crazy Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin. Tom Hayden was the guy that kind of started the, 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 the conflict, the, the, the clashing after mm-hmm. that guy got hit. I love that twist. I didn't, I, I didn't see that coming. And then the other thing that I thought was amazing, I don't know if this is true, the moment where the cops took their name tags and badges off. Uh, I don't know. There were hints of some of that happened this past spring, but of course these are Twitter photos that could be photoshopped. I don't know what to believe, but I don't. I, the undercover girlfriend was fun. Yes, the fact that there were so many undercover people and Jerry Rubin's girlfriend was undercover. Oh, so that's not accurate. Uh, in real life, he never had a relationship I, with. I got. I got to say that. Uh, as far I thought of more lines. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah, yeah Abdul Mateen might have been my, one of my favorites too. Bobby Seale, every line so where good. he's interjecting. He's yeah. Like, like, do you even know me? And there's like, please be quiet. And or, or he's like, uh, when they're talking about the um, the the park getting like raided or whatever, yeah, or where they yeah. took the hill. And then at the end, he's just sitting there. He goes, "I wasn't there either. I wasn't there yeah. at all. Yeah. In fact, I was there for four hours yeah. eating chicken pot pie." Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Bobby still so great. This frustration was amazing. He's like, I think. In- I think in reality he was there for two days, right? Is that two or three so days, yeah. He, yes, in reality he wasn't there long. He so he was thrown in with these guys, and in reality he they had him gagged in the movie. They did have that in the movie. He stood bound and gagged. It seems for a short time. He actually appeared in court that way for several days. That's crazy. Making muffled sounds, trying to get free, which prompted Kunstler, the attorney, to refer to the courtroom. That's horrible. The Kunstler goes, "This is a medieval torture chamber. That's Can we a- please?" Oh unacceptable yeah. well, a lot of that stuff in the trial like it kind of writes itself just yeah. how in inco- like yeah. how crazy that it was like a the, kangaroo, the robes, kangaroo court the, they wore robes that actually happened and they actually had the police outfits underneath the robes but every day hoffman and jerry rubin would do some fucking shenanigans to just make fun of the proceedings and judge hoffman uh, was not having it i can't believe he was so as patient as he was with them what, what do you guys <laughs> think as far as you probably maybe you care about the Oscars, maybe you don't. What do you guys think as far as hmm. being nominated? 
I mean, it, it should be nominated. I think best of re- I, a screenplay, probably. I mean, I don't know what's on the landscape for it right, right now. I can't really think about that. I don't know who the person would be. That's the. I don't think. I think. I think it'll get best picture nomination. I think maybe uh, best like adapted screenplay. I don't know if it's adapted. If they or do original, supporting actor. You got to give a nomination to supporting is tough because there's like three or four guys. I will give it to Sasha Baron Cohen, Yaya, and Frank Langella. Well, you can only up to up to five people. So you can yeah, take well, three so for one movie. Three for one movie. One of those has got to go. Eddie Redmayne, but again, all these people. Eddie Redmayne is an Oscar darling. I, I feel like Eddie Redmayne yeah, yeah, is, is like darling. is the main character. Tom Hayden, really? Yeah, because he gets the last thing. He's the one that actually has like an arc throughout the entire movie. Oh, so by the way, about that last scene, great moment at the end where the judge is like, "Any final words?" And uh, Tom Hayden gets up. He's like. Since this trial has been on, 4,000 Americans have died in Vietnam. Yeah. I'm going to read all of their names. So that did happen, but not like that. David Dellinger actually read the names, and it didn't happen at the end. It happened earlier in the trial. There was one day. It was a Vietnam moratorium nationwide that everyone was observing, and David Dellinger gets up and starts reading the names before the judge gets in. And then the judge enters, and uh, he's all upset that the guy's still reading names. Yeah, but they, they interrupted him. They they stopped him from doing it, right? Uh, I think he yeah, tried heard, to go on, they and they, they he got contempt. They all got multiple contempt charges, yeah. like yeah, they got contempt dozens, charges. Uh, all of them. Especially Kunstler spent like the most time in jail after all this. Andrew, do you care about the Oscars at all? I'm not a I'm not a huge Oscar Oscar guy, um, but I was. I there's many of us left. <laughs> I I was I was wondering while you guys are talking about this. Is this the biggest movie of 2020? Oh, I think it's the so far. I think it's the. I don't, know, I don't know how to define biggest, I know. but I think it's the best one. Um, I think it's the one that's most universally considered um, the best one right now, especially a Netflix release. It's got really good reviews. Um, like what else? It's can kind you of, even, what can you, else can you even like? We're almost done with 2020. Yeah. What else can you even put in the category? It's well, like, they're gonna. Well, they're extending it to February of 2021. Yeah. So you have till t- February 2021 to get nominated for next year, um, to release a movie. So this could be I mean, a tough of, year for right Oscars. now. <laughs> the only other movie I could see that might get in is The Five Bloods. Yeah. And I don't think that The Five Bloods is as good as this. I, yeah. I haven't seen The Five Bloods. I don't, very I don't good. know. You know, I was like but, thinking, like, you know, what was the biggest movie? Was, there's was, nothing like, this year. Like, it's been Tenant and Mulan yeah. and this. Like, what? Nothing. Like nothing came out. Nothing so far. I was going to say that. I was going to say Tenant. How are they going to pick anything? Have you you seen Tenant? I haven't yet. No. Oh, it's not that good. (laughs) 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 You broke my heart. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think about what's the best movie I've seen this year. Is this the best movie you've seen this year? It's one of the better ones. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, It is definitely one of the more solid. But like, here's what I think. The bad. If I could put on my my snobby Oscar hat that I've just acquired. Yeah. Roman Polanski over, over quarantine. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to definitely gonna get nominated. Obviously, I don't think it's going to win because I think it's almost a little too baity, too pandering like music, too pandering. And it's not actually like all that creatively shot. It's it's pretty standardly shot. It's what, what rides it is the story, the dialogue, yeah. um, the acting. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's going to win. I think something else will win that's like a little more not baity. Mm. If, I, not, if yeah, I could put on yeah. my cap. They don't want to give them the satisfaction of uh, falling for the bait. I, I've also just read a lot of stuff where people don't consider this Sorkin's best work. And like, there's an article on The Ringer where like this is the most 
Sorkinized movie it's ever. It's very I don't think it's better. I don't think it's better than Social Network. Yeah, no, it's probably not. Yeah. I don't think it's better. Uh, did we uh, rate the movie yet? Okay, one last thing that was different from real life. Remember the scene with you love you love the. I the, look. You got to fact check this. You got to fact check this fucking movie. Uh, and most of it was true. Here was the complete made up scene I kept referencing. Michael Keaton's character, former Secretary uh, U.S. Attorney General Ramsey Clark, when he appears in the scene to do the trial in the voir dire, voir dire, where that's a testimony in front of no jury. Jury's not there. And then David Dellinger turns around and punches the federal marshal. Remember that scene? Yeah. That whole scene made up no that, that never happened david dellinger was a pacifist never punched anyone because he was a pacifist well if you if you want to get into like those things yeah and like what i th- what is more egregious i think the most egregious part of what he made up was just making for whatever reason he decided to make jgl's character a sympathetic character that that, that guy was not sympathetic at that all i was not sympathetic no. and it really it didn't do anything add no. anything to the story to make it's him a, a little sympathetic too much character. Sorkin. like now you're pushing a little well, it too just hard. well it just makes him feel like even the opposition right. thinks he's, that but he's wrong. It's, right but he's yeah he's, so I mean, he's just clearly yeah that's what I was thinking. He's just clearly pointing in the direction of police Every, are bad. Everything. Government was bad. Yes. Yeah. That guy was not sympathetic to him at all. So, okay. Give it a, a number. Anthony, what'd you give this movie? I'm going to go with nine out of 10. Mm. I originally, oh, when, I'll say this though. When the movie ended, I was like 10 out of 10. This is the best movie I've seen in the year. I love it. Um, I still love it, but uh, scaling back to rating just a little. Okay, interesting. Andrew, what would you give this movie? Uh, I, I'll go nine. Oh, nice. I was going to say 8.5, but uh, I don't know. I think that's being a little too harsh if I gave Wolf Cop a four or five. <laughs> it's on the Wolf Cop scale. Don't worry. The curve brings everybody down. Rugs, uh, we got a nine and a nine. What do you got? I'm going to go and do the 8.5. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. Still, that's a great. Yeah. That's a that's good a very, movie. Very high score yeah. from the rugs. I'm gonna look. Yeah. If Social Network is like a nine and a half, this is a nine for me. I'm gonna give it a nine. If I'm gonna go, if I'm trying to think of his other things, and Social Networks definitely. What's your What's your guys' favorite Sorkin thing? Oh man, that is a good question. I mean, I like the Social Network. I think a lot. Social I think Network maybe. Uh, I, I never watched uh, West Wing. I, I enjoyed um, Molly's Game. I thought that was pretty. See, good I never too. saw that yeah. one. I gotta watch but that I, one. I thought I thought Molly's game was him at his most Sorkin-y. Okay, as far mm-hmm. as like his dialogue and the things that he twisted to make it, you know, more dramatic. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I liked that this wasn't as like the dialogue in Molly's game. I thought he dialed it back on this, and I think it's because it was an older script. Like Molly's ah. game came out in like twenty sixteen or fifteen. He wrote. Yeah, I think, well, you have to, I think Molly's Game, he directed, and this he directed. Yeah, so those, yeah, two. those yeah. are the only two you can really compare, right. because the other one, Fincher directed, yeah. and Fincher's a master director. Yes, so that's why social he network. can even get even more mileage out of Sorkin, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, um, that's a good point. So that I guess this is his best film, maybe, I would say. Like, my, I think it's Written Molly's and Game. I, yeah, I guess I was based going, on real things, right? I guess I was more just going with like, what's your favorite? It doesn't matter if he directed. Yeah, like, what yeah. was your favorite thing that he's been involved in, including television, Social Network? I mean, Moneyball's great. A uh, few good men is great. Steve although, Jobs. Although that's a good point. I mean, I think Social Network, but also that it's it's just he's paired with a with d- a dynamite Fincher. director yeah, too. Yeah. So it's just you had these two great minds, and it's just but he th- he's magic. The, yeah, I thought he did a really good job directing this on his own. It's the pacing again. Like I said, pacing's tight. Everything's there. 
It moves really well. Well, well the thing that you could tell the difference between like a Fincher yeah. and a and a Sorkin is a Fincher is very cinematic. Uh, Sorkin is very like it looks like a, he's shooting a play. Yes, you know? yes, it looks yes. It, it, it's in, in that way. Fincher camera moves a lot more than yeah. a Sorkin. Yes, you know so, what's what's really interesting. Uh, you guys kind of talked about it a little bit is Aaron Sorkin has said this himself that he considers his dialogue music. Like uh, he actually like hears it and he kind of has a rhythm to it. Yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting that like I I you know I notice it from him saying that, but it's really cool. You guys kind of, well, you can hear, that. you can hear the rhythm. I also heard Definitely. back in the West wing days that he wrote all, he writes all his shit on mushrooms. Oh shit. That was a rumor <laughs> I heard. I swear to God. I don't know if it's you true. Know, I got to give credit to, to Netflix here because we, we've been pretty hard on them over the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Over the spring yeah. with like project power and oh, um, the, the, the Charlie's the, the movie one. with Charlie's Terran yeah. or whatever the fuck yeah. their name is or whatever the fuck it was called. <laughs> um, <laughs> But they've taken like the last two movies we reviewed this and I'm thinking of ending things and they're taking these like great writers, yeah, right? Yeah. And they're just giving them a platform to be like, Make your you own know, you're a great writer and they've both done things before, but here's, here's a bunch of money to yep, make yep. the movie you want to make. Do whatever you want. Go out, and, yeah. go out and direct it too. Yeah. Like just direct no, it. And you can tell that they don't have any creative oversight. They're clearly letting you know, with, these guys do what you they know, want. Charlie Kaufman and now yeah. Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. So, you know, I think Netflix is... I don't think this is a pattern in that like all their movies are going to be like this, but they're they're doing a bunch of different things. We got Scorsese and Irishman, kind of the same thing, and it's kind of exciting to see maybe you know Fincher gets That's funny that you said Fincher that. gets those some stuff movies, too. Yeah. Those two movies are going to be up for Oscars. Yeah, I'm thinking. Of, yeah, ending things. Oh, the, Irish, and, the Irishman. I forgot. Yeah, forgot that came out in twenty. That was last year. Was that last year? Yeah. Never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did get nominated though, so you were correct. It yes. would get nominated because it, it it did. I can't even remember what came. I, out nothing fucking came out. Uh, Nothing's come out. Let's talk. Well, it's, uh, let's talk about what we are watching. The stuff that came out. We'll finish up with a little what we are watching. Uh, I have something interesting. Uh, as I was doing research for this review, I stumbled upon another documentary about the same exact situation. It's called the Chicago 10. It's on Amazon. It came out a few years ago, uh, 2007. Okay, a long time ago. Written and directed by Brett Morgan. This is a documentary. Here's what he does. This is, it's kind of fun. It uses a lot of the real video, but all the, uh, uh, a lot of the trial stuff is animated. He has animated and voiced the transcripts and then cut in real video of Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin, the press conferences, uh, the voice cast. You got Hank Azaria as Abby Hoffman, Dylan Baker as Dellinger, Nick Nolte's in this, Mark Ruffalo, uh, Liv Schreiber, Jeffrey Wright, a uh, lot of great names in the voice cast. And it's told in the order of what actually happened. So it's not as entertaining as Trial of the Chicago 7, even though it's animated. It's a little dry, but it sticks exactly to what happens, shows you the news reports, shows you scenes from the protest, actual clips. Uh, it's only an hour and a half long. It was really good. And it kind of filled out the whole picture, watching that and then watching this. You kind of get a good idea of the whole thing. And Abby Hoffman looks just like Sasha Baron Cohen with wild, crazy hair. Sounds cool. Check cool. that one out. Anybody? <laughs> anybody? I'm, I'm curious to see what the animation is. The like. animation is kind of like uh, it's like rotoscope, cell shaded animation. Oh, it's okay. not bad, but they 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 were ambitious and they went for it with the animation cool. over Abby Hoffman. It's real fun. Uh, rotoscope. Uh, anybody? Anthony, you got anything you're watching? 
Oh, not, nothing. Not really watching. I mean, other than this stuff for the show, I am not uh, not picked up anything new. Andrew, so, you watch anything recently you would recommend that was cool? I'm probably late to the party, but I started watching Cobra Kai. Yeah, another one. Yeah. <laughs> which another convert. Yeah, uh, which was surprisingly amazing. Listen like, to our review yes. when you finished the two seasons. We reviewed it a few weeks back. Yeah, it's it's uh it's like the greatest sequel ever. This like, is how you that. yeah. <laughs> this is how you do it. This is how you do it. This is how you bring yeah. something back. Yeah, no, it's good. It's, it's really good. I'm surprised, and I'm really enjoying it. I, I feel like that's the reaction everyone, including I, myself, yeah, I has. can't believe it's this like, is good. You throw it out, uh, like, is this going to be any good? And you're yeah. like, wait, this has no right to be this yes. good. Yeah, wasn't it originally on YouTube? It was, yeah, yeah. YouTube, right? Like, what? Yeah. yeah, I'm. Uh, I was so surprised just how good it is, and like, you know what else is interesting too? They took little bits and pieces of like fan theories. Like, have you ever seen the fan theory of how Daniel Sun was the bad guy? Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, on Bef- YouTube, and they yeah. Inter- yeah. they integrated that into the show. Oh, like, I didn't know that from before. Yeah, like uh, like um, uh, what is his name? Who's the blonde guy? The main character, uh, William Johnny Lawrence. Johnny. Yeah, jo- Johnny. He says, "Oh, you stole my girlfriend," which yes. is part of that fan theory. And then he says, "Like, oh, the the kick was illegal," and he even says it to da- uh, says it to him, which I think is really really interesting did it uh, make you oh the kick is illegal because the kicks him in the face right yeah yeah well, yeah the crane kick was to the face yeah it was yeah it was to the face uh andrew did it flip you to team johnny i'm on team johnny's side danny is a dick well how many episodes are you oh, in good question. i'm only don't, in Imran, be, behave yourself don't spoil anything sorry uh i'm only in i think three or four episodes oh shit okay, okay never mind first season we'll stop um, talking about it <laughs> yeah I, I will i will uh say this uh uh, I have a book re- recommendation, Emron. Okay. It's called uh, it's called Chaos. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Yeah. And uh, it's it's about the Manson murders, but really, Ooh. what it dives deep into is the 1960s kind of co- counterculture movement. Oh and yeah. How, and how the CIA kind of infiltrated it. Uh, I I love that stuff. I thought that was interesting in the movie. How many? And you think about these protests today. How many undercover FBI, CIA cops are in these groups? You don't know. They're sending but, people in there. Yeah, basically what they would, according to this book, what they would do is they would actually plant undercover agents in there and pretty much make them combust from the inside. Wow. Yeah. That was their way to take them down. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the FBI, Hoover had a 500-page file on Malcolm X. They followed him around everywhere for years. It's alarming. Rugs, you got anything you watched? Yeah, well, I stumbled upon this uh Fucking awesome documentary series. It's on Showtime about the comedy store. Yes, I watched the three episodes. Aren't they great? It's so good. It's so good. Okay, it's great. So um, basically, you know, uh, the comedy store is owned by Mitzi Shore, who is the mother of Paulie Shore. I didn't know that. And uh, basically, uh, it, it tells the the tale of her her club and her uh, and her like opening it up in this in the seventies and the sixties or whatever. Seventy three, it opened, and yeah. um, it. You know, Johnny Carson and how it was a huge factor. And then it kind of goes off to like, well, Johnny Carson goes away. And then now what happens? And, and, uh, comedies, uh, had to be reborn. And then Andrew Dice Clay and, and all those Dude, guys every, came I out. I mean, it's amazing. Everyone had to go to the comedy store to be considered a comic. You had to go yeah. through there. This was your education. So it is like one of the most important comedy clubs in America. I would say probably one of the, 
definitely in the top Absolutely. 10 of comedy Absolutely. clubs uh, in the United States. And, and, and in terms of Hollywood, it's probably in the top two or three, right? So, yeah. um, it's, Joe Rogan still talks about it. Uh, there's people still, yeah. still, uh, always refer to the store as being like the place. And, uh, there was a, uh, uh, I'm dying up here that yeah. was made by Jim Carrey that was based on the comedy yep. store. Yep. Like a yep. lot, like the, 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 the lead character was this woman who owned the club. So it was an homage to Mitzi Shore. So, um, if you watch both of them in tandem, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Amazing. It's crazy how even established comics, it didn't matter who you were. If Mitzi didn't like you, you weren't getting a spot. You're not getting time. But then if you worked your way up and, and she liked you and you got to become a paid regular and it's still like there's one scene where the guy gets told he's paid regular and it's a really good documentary and fucking everybody is in it. Everybody. Bill Burr, uh, every comedian, every standup that's been through there. David Letterman telling amazing stories. About the Comedy Store. Very good series. Uh, this week, if you're looking for something to watch, uh, another Sasha Baron Cohen movie is out right now as the show is published. And it's Borat, too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can go from his amazing performance as Abby Hoffman to, I'm sure, hilarious performance as Borat. I cannot wait to watch this movie. Oh, I'm psyched. <laughs> Subsequent I'm psyched movie film. Very nice. Very nice. Andrew, you, like, you said you didn't like the Borat? No, I love I love Borat. Okay, you're gonna watch the second one. Are you excited for the second one? I I was scared <laughs> of it, like it was gonna suck. But I've Don't heard good reviews. Uh, so. Andrew, thanks for hanging out. Tell the listener where where what you want them to do, where they can find your stuff, where they can pick up Manison if they want to get a copy, and uh, all the links and everything. Yeah, uh, you could follow me on Twitter at at Andrew Gildy. That's uh, you know, Andrew and then G-U-I-L-D-E. You can follow me on Instagram at, at A-Gildy, so A-G-U-I-L-D-E. And if you want to get a free copy of Man of Sin, issue oh, one. Free? Uh, delivered, de- yep, delivered right to your email box. Uh, you can go to agildy.com forward slash free comic. That'll put you on my uh, exclusive fan list. You'll get behind the scenes stuff. You'll get, um, I do a weekly blog with another writer. And uh, you'll get issue one of Man of Sin. Uh, immediately as soon as you sign up for that. Sweet. Free comic book listener. Rugs, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at ReallyRugBoy. Come by, say hi. Say hello. Of course, I'll have links to all that stuff, uh, listener. Don't have, don't have You don't have to pull out a pen and paper. Don't write any of that down. If you want to check out Andrew's stuff, just visit the show notes, jockandnerd.com slash 352, or look in your podcast description. Links to all the bullshit we talked about so you can follow along and how to support the show, how to subscribe, share this geekery. Let's grow this empire of stupidity. Thanks for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's a nerd. See you next time. I'm very tired of the Tom Brady dick suck fest. Let me tell you about Tony, all right? Tony ruins lives. <laughs> what? Sloppy jock.